0: bandide bandide hiriya rawani hiriya re hatona navu keluta khushi padona keltane khushi padona keltane Hello listeners, this is your RJ Chandana and I welcome you all to Anubhav, a joint project of National Institute of Social Defense, Ministry of Social Justice and Empowerment, Government of India and Media for Community Foundation, implemented by Nightingale's Medical Trust. Project conceived by Dr. Ashrider. Project Investigator Alok Verma, Coordinators Pooja Murada, Sai Sudha and Kaushalya. Government of India has initiated an Elderline toll-free number 14567. Elders or anyone on behalf of elders can call between morning 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. for any questions, queries and support to elderly. I would like you to meet Professor Chudamani Nandagopal, an art crusader. She is a renowned Bharatanatyam dancer who became an art historian and an authority on temple architecture. Chudamani is a UNESCO Fellow of International Repute with a doctorate in History and Archaeology. Presently, is the Tagore National Senior Fellow at National Museum, Delhi. She has authored 24 books in the areas of art history and Indian culture. As an academician, she set up art history department at the Chitrikala Parishad, served as academic head of IGNCA Southern Regional Center, Bangalore, set up a department of cultural studies at Manipal University and Jain University. She has guided 20 PhD scholars and 20 MPhil candidates. Her recent publication uh, in Ritual Enactment in Temple Tradition temple chariots, to name a few of her publications. In fact, her biodata runs into reels. I had to condense it. Now over to you, Dr. Chudamani. Please come and give us an insight into your knowledge. Yes. Uh,
1: I just want to give a little more information, adding to Usha's introduction. Uh, One of the important, um, you know, research documentation I undertook recently, about four years back, it was on Ramappa temple in Warangal district. Near, you know, it is in the Palampet village, near Ramappa Lake. And this is a great Kakatiya, the dynasty which was ruling Kakatiya dynasty has established or set up this temple, which has a foundation inscription, giving the date as 1213 common era. And I also wrote an exclusive book on Ramappa temple, The Crest Jewel, of Kakatiya Art and Architecture. Most of you know that Ramappa Temple got its recognition as UNESCO World Heritage Site, which is 39th site of Indian cultural heritage. South India had four um, sites, UNESCO World Heritage sites. Uh, We have, you know, more than 10,000 sites in South India, but four were recognized. That was two from uh, Tamil Nadu and two from Karnataka, none from Andhra. uh, That is when it was Andhra, none from Telangana, none from Kerala. So the two important from Karnataka was Patadakal group of temples and Hampi. In Tamil Nadu, it is Brihadeshwara temple and Mahabalipuram group of temples. So this is, uh, we were, it's, it's almost 37 years ago. All these four sites were recognized by UNESCO as World Heritage sites. But we had to wait almost 37 years to get one more site that is Ramappa temple we got. And I worked extensively for this uh, site with my team uh, of all uh, doctorates and who are my research associates, good photographer. And this work was given to me by um, Telangana Department of Heritage and Archaeological Survey of India and Kakatiya Heritage Trust. So I was also part of writing dossier, which was submitted to uh, UNESCO. Twice it was already submitted, but it was rejected for wanting proper analysis, cultural analysis. So when I intervened, I worked on both the tangible and intangible cultural heritage for which Ramappa should be recognized. So it was my, uh, I can say that, you know, the, this analysis and the book which you are seeing here, uh, that is one picture what you are seeing on this screen is Ramappa temple entrance. The other one picture is the Ramappa temple, that is the book which I wrote. And this was sent to all the countries which participated in the discussion and recommendation for UNESCO heritage site. So they were well aware of the situation and the need to be recommended because of this book. So it was fortunately, you know, we were on 25th July. I was also, you know, from uh, um, uh, Virtually, I was also looking at you know how the deliberation is going on and the moment came, they declared, inscribed Ramappa Temple as 39th World Heritage Site of India. So this was, I think, one of my, for such a long time I have served in the field of Indian art and culture, cultural heritage. Archaeology, archaeology, and it has paid dividends, rich dividends, by getting this UNESCO World Heritage Site. Friends, I felt like you know, sharing with you all this particular uh, you know, achievement of India, getting this site in uh, 2021, July. Uh, I may be for some time little academic, so that laid the foundation, and then we see that you know how Indian temple architecture is such a great field of study, field of research, and it is like you know any number of people do the research; it's still wanting people to come and do the research. I'm t- talking about the entire Indian temple architecture. And that too, the South Indian temple architecture demands proper understanding and analysis because it is symbolism ingrained within its development. So what, what we are understanding here is symbolism of temple form. When you look at the temple, it has a form. It has an architectural form. What does it you know, convey to us? It is like thought process integrated with space. There is a thought process which has gone into it for centuries, our cultural ethos, and it integrates into a particular space. And the temple architecture, its form originates from the garbha, that is Garbhagriha, which we call it as the sanctum. And Garbhagraha is compared with a womb. Most of you know that, you know, it is known as, it is always kept dark. Today, you know, electric light has been, you know, focused on the deity and the uh, Garbhagraha is lit. But originally, traditionally, it is dark because it signifies the womb of mother. So it is a womb from which all life emanates. Darkness of the Garbhagraha. What does it convey, the philosophical? It conveys the paradoxes, like from the unknown to the known. When you enter, everything is unknown to you. But when you enter into the space, you start knowing everything. From elaboration to structural simplicity when you come from the entrance to Garbhagraha, you will be passing through successive, you know, many, many, uh, you know, enclosures, many, many units of the temple. And they're all, you know, beautifully, all sculpturally enriched. and, uh, And you see that, you know, many stories, you know, so many things are involved into making of that space interesting to the people. So that is what you see the elaboration, and when you come to Garbhagriha, it is so simple. So it is only three walls, and the entrance is the uh, is what you see the. In so it is structural simplicity, and from multiplicity, what you do there to unity, where you unite yourself, it is to the, you know, the principal deity, which is. Um, Pranapratishtha. Pratistha vidhi. It is an elaborate vidhi. It's a ritual. Through the tree, the deity, you know, consecrate. So you meet that deity and you unite yourself. So successive enclosures in temple architecture lead to the heightened sense of focus in suggestive introspection. That is what I meant, I have already mentioned to you, all the introspection finally focuses in that particular sequential process of sacrificing the world around to become one with the divine power installed in the Garbhagra. You you go to one enclosure, you enter into second, third, fourth, fifth, and finally you are living all those things and reaching the divine power that is installed in the garbhagraha. What parameters govern the temple architecture? What are the things, you know, which is so important without which the temple, are, you cannot call it as temple architecture. You cannot call it as temple. So it is architectural form and space in the evolution and development of early Dravida architecture. Because we are talking about the South Indian architecture. So we have, we call all South Indian architecture as Dravida architecture, early Dravida and later Dravida. There are the two. Early Dravida is before uh, say 13th or even 10th century. Later Dravida is from 14th century onwards. So we have two for, you know, uh, categories there, early Dravida and later Dravida architecture. So four important things, that is religious thought, one has to have the religious thinking, the stream for which, you know, the temple is built. Otherwise you don't need the temple at all. So there is the religious thought and speculation, philosophy, everything goes there. Then water bodies, which is very much important because all rituals in the temple need water. So you have to have water bodies, then rituals. What, why the temple is built? Is it just to sit and meditate? No. It is the rituals which make you to involve what the meaning of right. Right is like a process entering into a process. When you enter into that process, finally you come to that summit. So that is what you mean, the rituals. Many people feel that, you know, all these rituals are mm, useless, why we should spend and all that. No, it's not like that. Our culture has has great sense of creating all these rituals. If we can't do it, don't at least, you know, reject it or be negative about it, it has great significance. And then the perception of sacred space, the understanding, the very understanding of sacred space, that is what is the temple all about. So the temple architecture is centripetal force for every activity, whatever the activity happens around us, it is It is like a central point where all the activities, they come. It is centrifugal force for all human activity. From center, it moves outside also. So you have centrifugal and centripetal, continuous activities going on. It is the single strength to operate ritual system. It is is the only place which started with the ritual system. Later, you know, rituals are used in the uh, domestic rituals and community rituals. All things happened later. But it started with, in the temple system, space of tangible and intangible heritage. Tangible heritage is the thing which you can see, touch, experience by touching it, physically existing. Intangible is something which is not physically existing without which this physical structure has no meaning. For example, you have the rituals, you have these songs, you have these stories. They are intangible heritage. They come in the form of oral tradition, may not be the written
2: sources at all. They are oral tradition. So that is what we mean by it is a space which many things happen without writing or anything.
1: Then, enlivened space, functional, philosophical in nature. So much of philosophy involved into the temple architecture, volumes and volumes of texts have been written from fourth century to till date, and we the researchers
2: continuously working on that. I don't know how architecture concept itself elements things, space when it is chosen while
1: choosing the um, site also there are so many
2: you know with these and so many finally it manifests as a sacred space.
1: It becomes a sacred space. Rituals govern the mind, body, and intent of the performer in a performative space. This sacred space will face. And in that performative space, all this happens. Who is the performer? It may be a priest, it may be Mahajana, It may be a patron.
2: It may be an ordinary devotee. Is the performer what's happening there. Yes. Now this is what you see the Garuda Chayana.
1: It is in the form of a Garuda. An eagle, you can say. But Garuda has a better understanding than the eagle. Eagle is a common word. So
2: let us use the word Garuda only. And you see shapes. Different size of the bricks to make
1: it as an altar. So it is a Yagnavedi,
2: Yagnavedi. Because when you look at the architecture and its space, it has got so many
1: geometrical shapes there. So the temple originated from the Yagnavedi. The temple, very temple garbagriha, originates from the Yajnavedi. The Pancha Tattva, that is Pancha Mahabhuta, that is Akasha, bhumi, Jala, Vayu, and these things, you know, all the uh, uh, earth all the five energy, what we call it as Panchamahabhuta or Panchatattva are involved into prastara. that the, when you observe that altar, you will have five layers. So each layer is one tattva. So finally, the Garuda China has got five layers and the foundation of the Garbhagraha emanates from, emerges from this, uh, you know, tattva. The measurement of the entire China correlates
2: with the figure of man and the ejamana kailasa. This
1: prasthara portion is the foundation which talks about the bhūtattva of the temple architecture, bhumi. The middle portion dedicated to shiva bhaktas, that is why when you see the temple architecture on the walls, you will see the Ganas, Gandharvas, Kinnaras. So the patrons are depicted on only the walls and many stories are uh, depicted, many forms of gods are uh, shown there. So it is the wall portion of the temple architecture. And the top portion is only dedicated to Shiva. That is the principal deity. That is Shikara, the Shikara, when Shiva enters into speculative mood, he dances, it becomes cosmic dance of Shiva. And the Garbhagraha, which has got the Shikara, is the summit, what we call it as Meru, what we call it as Kalesh. Of that, or we call it as in the uh, technical term, it is known as Vimana. Vimana is the, uh, the, the Shikara which is on the Garbhagraha. The concept is the god has descended from that Vimana, from the heaven, and he has been consecrated in the Garbhagraha. That is his abode. That is the concept of Garbhagraha. Now, Garbhagraha and Shikara, I just you know correlated with this uh, slide. It's a focal point axially both in vertical and horizontal plane. Garbhagraha rising to shikara is the metaphorical identity for a sacred space. Treatment of shikara is a challenging point for architect. We'll see that in in, the next slides. Nandi is very important for Kailasa because one has to pass through Nandi before you enter into Kailasa, That is why you find the Vrushabha or the gigantic Nandi in front of the temple architecture. So also in temple architecture, you have the Nandi Mantapa. Most of the time it is Nandi Mantapa. Nandi Mantapa with a gigantic bull sculpture. You can see here in Kanchipuram one and in the Pattadakal also there is a Nandi Mantapa. So reference of the concept of Kailasa, whether any reference in texts, I should thank Prasad, Shankar Prasad's father, father-in-law of Usha, because they donated me great volumes and books, which were used by, you know, scientist Ramaswamy and those books in that group, I did not have this volume, Brihad Samhita, Brihad Samhita was there and it actually enriched my research studies because I am writing a book on symbolism of sacred space in early Dravida architecture. For that, I was looking for Brihad Samhita and it came to my hand, Brihad Samhita so that is why i am thankful to the whole family thank you prasad and Usha, for that so here in bruhat samhita there is a mention of 24 types of temples and among them meru mandara and the third is kailasa it's not that you know these people uh, had some puranic uh, thing and uh, you know they called it as kailasa no it's scientific bruhat samhita is a scientific text. For all astronomical uh, understanding of Indian, ancient India, Bruhat Samhita is the best work of Varaha Mehra of seventh century. So there we see the concept of Kailasa. He talks about Kailasa which is next to Meru and Mandara. So here the garbha is the focal point and the form of the superstructure above the Garbhagraha represents that mountain. That is what we mean by Shikara. It, it is a mountain, and it's a summit. So the temple of Kanchipuram, Kailasanatha Temple Kanchipuram, what I'm mean, you know coming to that, is representation of Kailasa on the earth. So the early uh, Dravidian Shaiva architecture. I started working on this, exploring this. Kanchipuramena's study has been taken place, no doubt. Even the many British archeologists, they all worked on that, but they never connected with the texts. They never connected with the inscription and the existing form of the temple. They never connected the symbolism of the temple and understanding of the temple. It's only Indian can do. So I felt that these are my questions. I must go with this. And to my surprise, I got great sources in the form of inscription. So three great monuments have been chosen for my study. They are rajasthan or the Virupaksha Temple, Pattadakal, Kailasa Temple, rock Architecture, Ellora. See, all these three were built between 723 to 772. That is the uh, period all these three temples were built, and all these three had the concept of Kailasa, and they
2: created Kailasa on the earth. Now this is the. Uh, What is
1: study the temple is knowing the the ground plan. Archaeological Survey of India has made these ground plans, and researchers have to correlate this with the existing form. We go to the place with the ground plan in our hand and try to understand from all the perspectives of the units. As I said, water resources is so important. You have the Pushkarani in Kailasanatha temple and water sources in the Ellora. Because it's a cave temple, you have the underground water sources. And for Pattadakal, uh, at the time of my documentation, the Gataprapa river was dried. Otherwise, it is full, uh, you know, flowing river. And for every temple, Stadavriksha are a sacred tree. Is required. So here you have the bilva patra for the Shiva and if it is Vaishnava it should be Shami tree. Shami tree should be around somewhere and of course Tulsi is so important is sacred for all the Vaishnava uh, understanding. So here you see this Talavruksha it is a must for the uh, temple and uh, As I said, sculptures having a theme, they can't just put any sculpture anywhere. There is a theme, they have to follow the theme, and they have to follow the Agamas, the Puranas, and the local understanding of the time. So we call it as local tradition. They also have to give importance to that. And these are some of the sculptures from Kailasanatha, Kanchipuram, you have the Mahishamardhini and uh, you know Bhairava and the, the Devis you know going in a procession to see Shiva coming as a Bhairava in various forms. These are sculptures from Patadakal. You find the, Shiva, the Ravana shaking the Kailasa. It's one of the main subject for Ellora, if you have visited the Ellora temple, a huge niche is created for that. And the Gandharvas, the Devadasis and mahishamardini all these are found on the wall and entrance of the temple. And this is the Bhairava, the huge size Bhairava spreading all his hands and in one of his hands he is cajoling parvati also she is so scared seated there and he is you know with one so many you know attributes weapons he has come for certain purpose that form was created and after that that form disappears that is how you find several forms of shiva and several forms of vishnu also shakti And finally, all temples have the cosmic dance of Shiva that is from Kanchipuram and this is from Ellora, and that that is from Patadakal. You can enjoy seeing them because my first research and doctorate was on dance sculptures. So if I start talking about it, you can't stop me. I just allow you to enjoy these uh, dance sculptures, that is cosmic dance of Shiva, the Nataraja, the beautiful form of Shiva. Now, Vaikuntha, also I said, these are the two concepts govern the temple architecture, early Dravida temple architecture. One was Kailasa. You have seen how Kailasa is related. The second one is Vaikuntha. So in Kanchipuram is so important for all our studies. That is why, you know, all art historians first go to Kanchipuram, work there and come to other parts because the concepts originate there. Because the Agamas, the Shaiva Agamas, Vaishnava Agamas were first properly understood, studied there, the Appar, the Alvars, the nine mars they all contributed at that time so you have vaikunta paramal temple so first time the word vaikunta is used there so the sacred space kailasa as well as vaikunta both are found in kanji and this is how they they thought about it they understood about vaikunta vaikunta has got three stories, three levels, that is Vishnu standing posture, Vishnu reclining posture, and Vishnu seated posture with Lakshmi. He is presented as a family person, having Lakshmi with him always. Even in his um, form of Narasimha, he will have Lakshmi Narasimha. One of my friend, a foreigner, when I took her to Lakshmi Narasimha temple. She was wondering, looking around and said, I explained her about the form of Narasimha and all that. Her eyes was only on Lakshmi. Then she said, I don't know how this lady is tolerating this man. That was her reaction. (laughs) So, three forms you find. And in Srirangam, you see that on Patana, you find the reclining Vishnu. That is the form. All these were created in Vaikuntha Perumal Temple. So that is why conceptually, this is one of the very, very early Dravida architecture. And later we find this becomes very common. You have all the themes related to Shiva. You have all the themes related to Vishnu. You have themes related to Shakti or the female energy and they are created separately. But in early Gravida architecture, you find all of them in the emerging state. Now ritual space and architectural texts. I was telling you that, you know, India is rich with architectural texts. No other country can say that we have ancient texts on architecture very few texts in greek and chinese very few of them but not the way you know, what we have in india so ritual space and structure see how beautifully the structure is correlated with ritual understanding like bruhat vishnu dharmottara purana manasara mayamata samarangana sutradhara kasyapa shilpa and shilparatna these are all the texts Once, you know, I was supposed to give a lecture only on the texts, architecture and, uh, uh, you know, Shilpa, Shastra. I was amazed to see that the ancient one, till 17th century, I got more than 70 texts. And analyzing 70 texts is not a joke. It's so difficult. Whole life of mine will go into that. So this is the Kripuram temple, which is must, you know, um, study, analysis started with this in the concept of Kailasa and the whole uh, when you start from here and uh, the basement if you start looking at and going around the temple. You start from the entrance door, then go around the temple and there is one six uh, inches slab will be there. And it goes continuously on that there is inscription. And that inscription is in Grantha Lippi. Of course, we get information from Epigraphia, Indica and other uh, you know, texts, I mean, published by mm, epigraphy uh, department. Uh, there I found the last three lines of that mentioned as Kailasa. He says, Rajasimheshwara, while constructing this temple, mentions this, my creation, will put, will steal the grandeur of Kailasa of Shiva. That means to say, the architect and the patron, Rajasimha, they visualized the entire Kailasa and brought Kailasa down to earth. So what we think, usually the people go for temple, the concept of Divya Darshan. See, these are all the terminology and uh, concepts. I don't know, it was God's grace on me. I'm contributing to
2: the world of architecture.
1: Otherwise, the scholars will never correlate the rituals, the concepts, our own concepts and architecture. They look at it only as a structure, structural development, structural movement, structural progression. That is the way the Westerners look at Indian temple architecture, but not Indians. We understand why these temples were built. So the concept of Divya Darshan, you are going to the temple, you want to see the uh, rituals, you want to be part of the Utsavas. Why you, you have all those things? Because you are longing for that Divya Darshan of the God. So you can see here the three successive enclosures when you pass you have three shikaras and the one the last one is on the Garbhagraha this is from Tanjore Brahadeshwara temple Tanjore. In medieval architecture that after 10th century the material for architecture is changed we call them as Kalyana Chalukyas And they are the source for Hoysala, Kakatiya, Sevunas, Santaras, Kalachuris, other dynasties. They are all sourced from Kalyana Chalukyas from Karnataka. So, this particular style of architecture is known as Vesara. So, we have three styles of architecture Dravida, Vesara, Nagara. Nagara is North Indian type of. Architect, where you find the conical, you know, um, number of uh, towers which are, you know, put together and you can just think of either, um, you know, the Puri temples, Jagannath Puri or Khajuraho temples. They are all the uh, North Indian temples and this is Vesara. It is neither this nor that, but a beautiful amalgamation of various forms. This is from Amruteshwara temple, Amrutapuram. It's a Hoysala temple architecture. It's only the vitti One tall portion is given here. The architecture of such nature is the signature style of the architects, of class. They are great contributors in the field of architecture. Then and now. So this is from the Ramappa. Ramappa, it's the ceiling. You just see the spectacular vision of the architect and, and the people who lived at that time. Now how much they must have enjoyed while making this particular type of architecture. So art and architecture, art means here we mean sculpture, painting, these are art and architecture. They are the core expression of Indian culture. Whenever people visit India, they would like to see these monuments. They would like to go and see what they are. They say that we will go to Belur first, we go to Halabid. we go to Tanjore, we go to Madurai. Why? Because? They want to see that expression of culture, Indian culture. And architecture addresses functional needs. Architecture is not a decorative form, it is a functional form. It creates everything. So, both address art and architecture, different needs of human beings. Both provide insightful experiences. Both architect and artist. They will be working together, a sthapati, a shilpi. They are working together. They create such great wonders what we have temple architecture in India. So when you say art, it means sculpture, dance, music, painting, alankarana, decorating the god, is also an art. Flower making is also an art which is offered to God. There are 64 types of art in Indian texts. We see that from 4th century. 64 types of art has been identified. So singing for the God at various uh, you know, um, rituals is, uh, you know, found in our uh, temple uh, process or procedure. So this is like Shaiva saints, the great nine mars Appar. They all sang for what and that too Shiva dancing form that's the climax of Shiva's anugraha in concept. Songs of Alvars and Haridasas, they also sing, chant for Divya Darsana. Why they are doing all this in temple? To have that kind of Divya Darsana. The rituals, daily rituals, it is known as Nitya, Paksha, Masa, Samhatsa. All kinds of rituals are there. I documented the entire ritual system from Melkote. So, one year, morning and evening, I used to be in Melkote. And there is a huge book on Melkote rituals I worked on. And this was the first time somebody has made it academic. To study how, what is the importance of rituals. So I have given the structure and understanding, particularly for uh, the foreign scholars. Uh, it is a great, uh, you know, guide for them. Otherwise, they will not understand uh, this ritual significance so well. So early morning, there will be a sacred cow, which is treated as sacred. It is brought before the uh, the Garbhagriha of the temple in Melkote and in all Vaishnava temples where the rituals are performed. And this is Melkote Sri Chalvanarayana Swami. There is uh, Mula Murti, that is what you find here, one, and Utsamurti, the processional image. When they want to take in procession, they can't take the uh, stone sculpture, it's huge. So they decorate beautifully and they place it there. See how Chaluvanarayana, the name itself is Chaluva. He looks like this in male Kote. Eh? And the other one is processional deity. He is known as Shalvapille. He has been carried by in all processions. Temple Utsavas, festivals, the are so significant. Why people come in such a great number? it is to have that Divya Darshan, at least once a year in their lifetime. So this is what is the Vairamudi Utsava, where you have that huge diamond crown is placed on
2: the processional deity and it has been around from
1: to next morning around 30 after 2.30, it will be deposited in the Mandya treasury. It will go in the security bank. And the Pallaki Utsava is also you find here in the Virupaksha Temple, Ampi. And the Swamiji is Vidyaranya Swamiji. And the crown he is wearing is donated by Mummadi Krishnaraja here. So my book on temple jewelry is on 40 temples I documented and researched the donations, the meaning of donations, why they donate, all those things in the book. So this is one such Utsava. Devis are very important in Utsavas. Sri Devi and Bhudevi in Melkote is taken out on Vihara. They also want always in the temple uh, you know precinct they want to go out of the temple spend their time near kalyani and that is known as devi vihara and these are the offerings both devis are placed there and they are given all kinds of you know whatever it is possible from their side as parents they become the priests they will be waiting for the daughters to come. Their offerings are made. Arayar seva done. athotsava is so important in South Indian temples. All of you must have experienced that. And this is one example. In Kumbakonam Sarangapani Temple, the entire temple is in the form of ratha. So the concept is, God has come from Vaikuntha to give Divya darsana and settle there. So he becomes Saranga. So beautiful concepts you know they have understood. They are into that kind of you know Leela understanding those things. You have the stone chariot at Hampi. It's a spectacular vision when you go to Vithala temple. So this was The uh, earlier, it was the Garuda, uh, you know, shrine in the form of ratha, stone uh, chariot. And this is where you see the Sarangapani temple. From the temple, the uh, god is taken outside and placed in the chariot, and chariot is drawn in the night. And it's a great experience to be part of such things and this is Rathotsava from Udupi On one day they draw five chariots. It's a real spectacular vision and Divya darshana of Udupi Krishna coming out and giving his darshana to people because Udupi temple is a small temple. How many people can go inside? So he comes out and he gives Divya darshana to people. and. To create this kind of, you know, ritual process and other things have great ritual utensils. We see that in the temple, you know, five types of uh, um, the utensils are kept, silver or sometimes copper, depending on the riches of the temple. And then uh, the five, the water is distributed into all these five for different rituals. So these are all the donations given by the Mysore vadayevs. They are all beautifully, it is uh, the gold, gold vessels, gold ritual utensils, of them are from Nanjanaguru. Nanjanaguru Sri Temple has wonderful collection, which were donated uh, by uh, um, the, uh, the 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 Vodayas of Mysore, including Tipu Sultan. These are jewels which are in collection of the temples. On the Utsavas, these are the gods are decorated with these jewels. That is why people go, some of them, to see what kind of jewels adorn the god so the one what you see here the first one is nakshatramala you find the ashtotra of devi in each one of those flower idealized uh, flower form motif and it is donated by Krishnadev, krishna uh, dev krishna here. also you have so many other things and particularly the melkote temple nanjulgode temple chamrajnagar temple and They have, and they are all in pristine position, beautifully, properly documented, and kept safe. I should thank my, you know, the Karnataka priests and the trusts who are taking such care of all these precious things. Whereas in places like Tirupati, which were donated by Krishnadevaraya and uh, you know the and all of them are misplaced, are not found. But fortunately Karnataka has got, you know, I learnt in you know, Madurai Meenakshi, Clive, Robert Clive has donated one ruby neck to Madurai. I don't know whether it is still there or not. Kind of is not there in Natka Temple. Music is part of rituals and is echo of the temple because out of 16 Upacharas, Shodashopachara puja, Sangita Seva is one, Ritya Seva is one, Veda Seva is one, all four Vedas. Will be chanted. So, like that, there are 16 kinds of sevas, and music uh, is always there.
2: And Nitya Puja we just uh, thought.
1: Uh, while documenting it has got huge dancing platform so nitya seva was so important in rudreshwara temple and floral offerings you have seen that you know artistically the flowers are created it's not just you know uh, put the flowers the way they offer the flowers the garlands that are made beautifully decorated you find you know this is from i think houston Devi is decorated there also, in Houston also you find this kind of decoration for Devi. In sculpture you have the uh, the Saraswati will be like this in Gangai Konda Cholapuram, and floral offerings. If you just go into uh, I think Sri Ranga Temple, uh, in it's closer to Garbhagraha when you pass through enclosures, and they will be having. You know, such beautifully, you know, they, they are sitting and tying the flowers and you can feel the aroma of that from such a distance and they want to offer this to God. So this is floral offerings and all these things happen. For what? Longing for the darshana and that is Nandan Ramajacharya.
2: This is the white of the Utsavas experience with the festivals of the South Indian temples. So this is what the uniqueness of Indian,
1: particularly South Indian temple architecture.